1: Here we go with Series 2, Episode 37 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, and thank you very much for joining me, Harry Robinson, with Jack Tate, as always. This week, we're talking Stockholm, Spurs and success, or, or what quantifies success, really, as we we, we lose 2-1 to Spurs at uh, the lane, the finale, as Sky Sports dubbed it, over the top as usual, basically the last game at White Hart Lane. We are going to Stockholm, though, as the, as the intro says, um, and, uh, I mean... After all, that's that's all that really matters, to be honest. Top four is is mathematically out of the equation. I mean, instead of talking about the game, Jack, should we should we start off on what we think about Mourinho's sort of comments going into the game about how the Premier League's not important and that kind of stuff? Did that did that show in the first half of the game?
0: Yeah, I think it showed before the game too, just in the lineup that we put out. But yeah, I think it did show throughout the game. Definitely, we just seemed kind of disinterested a lot of the time. We were very passive, um, and it, it wasn't even that we were playing that defensively either, it was just that we seemed very kind of non, non-interested in the game, it was very passive played, and I, th- I think the attitude of we're, we've got everything riding on the Evo boot really showed during the game, because we, we never seemed like we were really up for it, we never seemed like we were really that interested in actually giving the game to Tottenham it was like we were there just to be the opponents at the last game at White Hot Lane and that was, that was about it, and we just take what we could get
1: I suppose, I mean to me it felt Really oddly, I mean, for, for for so many seasons, we've never really had nothing to play for at the end of the season. And that's what we've now got. And to me, it sort of looked like we were mid-table teams, safe from relegation, playing at the Champions or something. It was it, it was really strange, that kind of first-half performance. And the second half was a, a very, very slight improvement, but that was because we brought on a, a few players. But I think that first-half showing is is what happens... When your manager comes out publicly and says that this game doesn't matter, the players are going to take up the same attitude. And I know, I know Herrera came out before the game and said, we're taking each game as it comes, top four still possible. Of course, it is now not after that defeat. Um, but the players will, will not be as motivated, whatever you say. And I mean, at Man United, you win every game, even with injuries, even when deep down you know that this game is of, is of secondary importance. You, you give the public show of, that you win every game because this is this is Man United.
0: Yeah, and and I think what Mourinho said before the game, I read that as more protecting the players if we put in another kind of performance similar to Arsenal. But it really did seem to affect the players uh, hugely and they did come out and just seem to accept that they were just there to make up the numbers and were never really that interested in actually putting too much into the game. And it was weird. It did feel exactly like you said, a mid-table team going to the, to the Champions at the end of the season. It was like we had nothing to play for which I guess we don't really in the league at the moment but that's still not the situation that we want to be in and it was very strange to see a Man United team going to somewhere like White Hart Lane and and being like that especially at somewhere where historically we've played so well and we have such a good record over the years it was kind of a a real uh, a a real harrowing moment actually where where you see how the tables turn in the last sort of five or six years
1: yeah, it was definitely, yeah, definitely a table's turn moment. Um, interestingly, Marie, i don't think Mourinho has won a league game at, at White Hart Lane since two thousand five. I think that fact is correct. Um, I haven't actually checked it, but I think I saw a tweet about that earlier. Yeah, we, we've we've got an all right record. I mean, it's not a fantastic record. I, I remember the last game at White Hart Lane I went to was um, it was in the snow, and Fergie had this little this little hat on, and Clint Dempsey scored a ninety first or eighty ninth minute heading equaliser or something and Van Persie had scored out in the game but well I mean generally yeah we should be speaking Spurs um lads it's Tottenham what's really strange is that Mourinho is a manager who I mean his life revolves around winning winning every game every trophy I mean I mean for me that's why he's got much less character than someone like Fergie or even someone like Van Hall, whose life has a bit of colour to it I mean Fergie was it was horses and playing the piano and stuff and Van Gaal is like his holiday home in in the Algarve and things like that I mean little things I mean Mourinho is entirely focused on just winning 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 and for someone that never never lets up never lets the attitude sort of drop the attitude has been awful I mean there was no desire in that game up until about 70 minutes no 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 point of it um and i i mean the main the main issue i have is that i mean everyone says it it doesn't matter at the time and sure i mean this result has has no has no bearing on our league season because that's i mean our league season was really really done in october november i mean i know it wasn't we've had lots of chances to get in the top four but what really what really did us was that october november run this has no bearing on our season but i mean we've got the final coming up and finals are about momentum
0: i mean i understand why we've rested players and i understand why we obviously haven't maybe taken the last couple of games as seriously as we might might otherwise have done. I, I get that. But I also think that there's still, as you said, there are still things to be gained from these matches. And the Arsenal game I can maybe excuse slightly more because it was in between the two legs and we needed to keep players fresh for Thursday. But now that we've, we've got through to the final, players need to be fresh. They need, to, And the part of being fresh isn't just that they don't play. It's that they need to play so they, they, they stay match-sharp is... It's extremely easy if you don't play for three weeks uh, till the till the Europa League final. So then come back and and feel like you don't really you don't really know what you're doing. You haven't played in three weeks, um, and it was strange to me to see the extent to which we decided, or Mourinho decided, I guess, to actually say, right, this game doesn't matter. We're not going to focus on it at all. We're just going to keep put, we're just going to put a team out there, just make up the numbers, and just see what happens. Hope for the best. And there's not there's not really something that we have ever seen, I don't think, from, from Man United, certainly not something that I've ever seen, um, and it, it was it was very strange, I don't I don't really think that it's the best way of of going about it, I understand the rotation side of it, but it also comes with that, as you said, keeping up the momentum, because now we've had two terrible Premier League results, and not only were they bad results, the performances were toothless, and they it just did not have any any fire to them, there was no, no desire at all, and I know there'll be people saying, oh, that's a Yadar comment, but they do still have a place in football. and It's quite plain to see when we play against teams like Tottenham and Arsenal in the last week. But there was just absolutely nothing from the team, and it was it was terrible to to watch and see how disinterested we seemed in, in the game, in the Tottenham game and the Arsenal game the whole way through.
1: And I, I suppose this is a this is a chance to either test young players or to test your players for the Europa League final, and. None of the players seem to sort of understand that. I know I really came out after the game and said, yeah, this is a chance for, for us to earn a starting spot in the in the Europa League final team, in the Europa League final 11. But, I mean, no one really showed that. No one went for it. Um, and at the same time, it's a chance to prepare for the game by playing the players who are going to play. Because we've got, I mean, I think it's 10 days between... Alright, don't play them against Southampton. Don't play them against Palace. That's a that's a good week's rest going into the game. Even if you play them against Southampton, that's a week's rest. So why not against Spurs? A really good team, better than Ajax. Um, why not try and play with the same tactics you're going to play against Ajax with the same starting eleven?
0: The only the only thing that I was happy with about the the team that's put out in the performance was the fact that Ajax had started because I think he is the kind of person who probably now be looking to start in the Europa League final and probably should start in the Europa League final but he hasn't had that many minutes with the the first team in these minutes. well let's say hopefully hopefully neither Smalling or Jones gets anywhere near the pitch Um, but he's the kind of player that that needs to be starting these games definitely up until Toronto maybe Palace as well Um, because he hasn't had that many minutes with the first team this season and this is a chance for him to go out there and say to Mourinho look this is what I can do this is why you need to play me in, in the Europa League final and I mean, he, his performance against Spurs was no, was no worse than anyone else's, no better, really. Um, but he played. He was probably our best player against Arsenal um, last week. And so in his case, someone like him, he really does need to play. And I think it's not just him that goes for that. What this what Breeds, I think, is a culture of two 11s for most. Because it's like the, the, the 11 that we've got in the Premier League right now isn't actually our best 11. And it's almost as if, well, oh, if you don't start in the Premier League, then you know you're going to start in the Europa League final. Uh, and it, and it's like oh well the players on the bench they don't have to fight for places no competition because they know the fact that they're being rested means that they're probably going to play in the Europa League final and then that just that just creates an atmosphere of two almost completely separate 11's and without any competition for places there you it's just very a little motivation for people week to week in training or in the Premier League games before yeah, the yeah, Europa yeah, it League
1: breeds fight. complacency to be honest um, I mean just anyway I mean. As a as a normal thing, I mean the the act of of resting players for the Europa League final becomes uh, becomes futile if you're if if you're going to bring on Herrera, Mkhitaryan, and Rashford at the end of the game. Don't pretend you don't care about the game and then bring all your best players on. Um, yeah. I yeah. mean, if you're going to go for it, if you're going to put everything in the Europa League final by resting everyone until then, then do that. Um, my only worry with Twanze is that I think he's going to not play against Southampton play against Palace and then Mourinho will go oh no he's too tired to play against against Ajax
0: <laughs> or or he'll get injured
1: <laughs> oh god imagine but i i mean the the scenario i've devised is uh Valencia right back Twan Zeber and Daly Blind at center back and Matteo Darmian at left back is our is our best hope and when that's your best hope you know you've got serious issues um oh yeah yeah I mean, another another issue i thought was just i mean given that. uh Okay, Marcus Rojo is our, our second best centre back and he's injured, that's fine. But our best centre back is Eric Bay. He's playing at right back and did very well, I thought. Probably our our best player. Um our second and third best are at left back and in central midfield. And our two worst centre backs are our centre back partnership in Phil Jones <laughs> and Smalling. Um I mean if anything positive have come out of the of the Spurs game, hopefully, and I, I still doubt this, it's that Mourinho won't play Jones and Smalling. In Stockholm, after seeing that that awful performance from both of them, um, yeah, yeah,
0: and to to be fair to Mourinho, I don't actually think he will play this I definitely don't think he'll play both. Um,
1: yeah, I think I think playing Jones is, is is one thing because
0: Jones, if if Jones has a, has a strong leader next to him, then Jones can be a very good, especially one on one. Phil Jones is a very very good defender, but yeah. sometimes he gets a little bit too rash.
1: Yeah, exactly. He 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 is actually. There are signs that he's a good defender. Smalling looked to be a good defender last season under Louis Van Gaal because he had eleven men protecting yeah. him because we were playing so defensively. Yeah, I mean Jones over Smalling at the moment. Albeit we've got another ten days for Phil Jones to be injured, so don't get your hopes up.
0: It <laughs> might be his longest spell of fitness in two years if he stays fit to the final.
1: <laughs> Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if Jones injured Pogba or Rashford. Um, <laughs>
0: just make him train on his own for the next few. Yeah, weeks. Put him
1: in isolation. Um, I mean, on on Paul Pogba, good to see he's been given some time off. Um, really, really sad news about his dad dying. I mean, he's just, he's 24 year old and his dad's died. at, at A crucial part of. I'm, I'm not saying this as in it's it's a crucial part of our season, but for him as a as a footballer, I mean, this is a as a footballer as in your job this is the time when you want to be you want to be really involved in the team and best wishes to paul podburn hopefully he's given time off until uh probably the palace game and the europa league final when he can come back and, and dominate in the way we know he can do because we we missed him had spurs as well as we've missed him every time he hasn't played in the in the team this season uh just a, a final thing best tweet of the week um from at bearded genius who probably would feature if we if we did a tweet of the week every week it, might be him every single week. He said, uh, today is about saying to, to a grand old institution, it may no longer be fit for purpose and need replacing, but at least it scored. And that, of course, is, is Wayne Rooney, not White Hart Lane. Um, right, Celta Vigo. Um, follow, follow. United are going to Stockholm. I mean, it's been a few days now, so I'm now buzzing for the, for the Europa League final. But at the time, there was something a little fake about my celebrations at the final whistle. Um, I was sort of forcing myself to celebrate.
0: The the celebrations were strange, I think. My, mine were too, because I was very happy we got to the final. And, and now, like you said, I'm I'm buzzing for it as well. Um, it's not a bloody exam on the same day. <laughs> but I can't I can't wait for the final. But at the time, I was like, I mean, it's great. We it made it this Europa League final, but Jesus, that was a bad place. Um, yeah, you know, we really played terribly against Celta Vigo at Old Trafford. We were very, very lucky to escape without um without e- e- being pushed to extra time or in fact just losing the tie. I mean, especially um the chance at the end for John Videtti. Oh I mean the other guy should've should have shot into the square in it, but my heart sunk when when that happened and I, just, I could just see our whole season go up in smoke.
1: Yeah. It was it was not a comfortable watch. Yeah. A very a very weird feeling at the end. Um, in a European final but we were terrible and at the time I, I tweeted give it a week I'll be buzzing and, and now I am just at, at the time it was a very weird mix we we were that was, was one of the worst performances of the season and it wasn't playing the way United should as the song goes um, but at the end of the day Stockholm Europa League final and if we win that all will be forgotten in about three years when everyone will just remember that night out in Stockholm Um rather than that terrible performance against Anderlecht, Celso Vigo, Zorya Luhansk getting battered by Fenerbahce, blah, blah, blah. Um, I suppose, I mean, if we're actually going to talk about the performance, which I don't really want to, um, but we've got through Spurs, we're talking about the performance, didn't really want to talk about that either. Um, it just, it, it would be so nice if if we tried to see out the game on the front foot instead of, on our heels, sort of defending our own box. If, if we went for it, we grabbed another goal. Cause after the first goal came, I don't think we really deserved it, to be honest. We hadn't started very well. Um, and, and the kid pops up again, but we then had confidence and we then went for it. So, so why wouldn't we, we go for the second goal when we came out for the second half, when we at 70 minutes? Cause until 80, 78 minutes, maybe, um, Celta Vigo weren't in that game. So, Conceding was just a, an obvious consequence of, of needlessly sitting back for the the final twenty minutes of a of a game.
0: There, there really was no need for us to to go out and sit back like that. To you know, I was I was actually thinking this while I was watching the game. It's something I mentioned briefly last season on, on here. That one thing that we were actually extremely good at under Louis Van Gaal is those rare occasions when we did take the lead under Louis Van Gaal. We were very very good at protecting it because his style of football, was boring and as disinteresting as it was. The one thing it was very, very good at was keeping possession and keeping the game under control. And we were extremely good at holding leads last season because when we got a lead, we didn't sit back and try and hold on and, and we really just let the other team come at us again and again. We held on to possession and, and we slowed the game down and we controlled the tempo and we didn't let the other team get a stranglehold on the game. And then the way that we've gone to protecting against this season under Benigno is just to drop deep and sit in our own eating yard box for the next, for, for the next 30 minutes of the game. And, it's cost us numerous times this season. And it very nearly cost us again against Celta Vigo. And probably should have done it if it wasn't for some pretty poor finishing on their part. Celta Vigo had so many chances during that game. And there is just no reason why we should be looking to sit back. We had the quality on the pitch against Celta Vigo to take the game by the scruff of the neck after we went 2-0 up and say, right, we are just going to shut this game out. We're going to keep the ball. We're going to dictate the tempo we We're not going to let Celta Vigo settle. Of course, they're going to come and put pressure on you, but you have to back yourself as Manchester United players, as clearly the superior team on the pitch in terms of the talent that you have. You have to back yourself to be able to get out of that pressure and be able to take the game by scruff of the neck and close that game out instead of sitting back and just praying for the best.
1: Yeah, Um, sums it up well, that. A couple of positives. From a, a very poor night. I mean, aside from the major positive being we're going to Stockholm. Um, Sergio Romero, although he's definitely, I mean, he's obviously United's second best goalkeeper, showed that his brilliant record, I think it's six conceded in, in 10 or 11 games, um, he, his brilliant record isn't just a result of playing against poor teams. He actually is a very good goalkeeper, and surprisingly so. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. This seeing him made some brilliant saves so far. Yeah,
1: I mean, he kept us in the game. He made a fantastic one against uh, against Vigo yeah. um, to keep us in the lead and, and probably in the game because we were struggling at that point. Marwan Fellaini has now scored it in three consecutive semi-finals: FA Cup, League Cup and Europa League. A man for the moment. <laughs> yeah, and a, a final happy stat. Um, our last six goal scorers at home, perhaps forming the greatest... Six aside team, if they've ever existed in in all time. Our last six goal scorers at home in European semi finals are John O'Shea, Antonio Valencia, Darren Gibson, Anderson, and Maran Fellaini. Um, you would not be stopped with that team.
0: <laughs> it's, it's it's actually incredible. Isn't it? You <laughs> think about the players we've had during the span of those last of those last six goals at home in European finals, <laughs> and those are yeah. the five players. And Anderson with a
1: players. with a double as well. Um. I don't know how many goals he scored for Man United, but I would assume that that those two make up a significant proportion of, of that.
0: Um, I, mean, I, just, I, I mean, my, my main memory of Anthony, Steve would shoot from anywhere, but very rarely scored. There we go.
1: He scored nine goals for Man United in total. So, two ninths of his goals yeah. came in European semi-finals at Old Trafford. <laughs> um, impressive. A busy week for Man United's youth sides as they wrapped up their seasons. The under-18s concluded an exciting campaign in the under-18 Premier League with a 4-2 defeat to Blackburn Rovers. Ethan Hamilton scored a brace but a defeat on the final day on Friday at Ultronham. Man United finished fourth but that's 17 places higher than last season. An exciting campaign full of goals and most importantly progress in every department. Better players, good coaching setup, up, more friendlies, more competition and therefore more development. Under-16 players Dion McGee and Brandon Williams both made their debuts in that game while James Garner made his debut last week. So uh planning for next season with uh, a few of the senior under-16 players. And the under-16s beat Blackburn 4-1 the following morning with James Garner, uh, who I've just mentioned, and Anthony Alanga scoring. The under-15s had lost 5-4 to Huddersfield earlier in the week with another brace from Anthony Alanga and two from Mason Greenwood as well. In transfer news, Kanye Dierdrick-Roberts will leave United this summer at the end of his scholarship, best of luck to him after eight under 18 league appearances and one under 23 appearance this season and one goal. In international news, Regan Paul, who captained United at the Dallas Cup earlier this year, has been called up for Wales's under 20 squad for this month's too long tournament where England will also play. At the under 17 Euros, neither Aidan Barlow nor Leo O'Connor started as England faced Ireland in the quarter-final, but it was Aidan Barlow's England who won 1-0 thanks to a goal from Man City's Jadon Sancho securing them qualification for the Under-17 World Cup in India in I think it's October or November and putting them into the semi-final of the Under-17 Euros on Tuesday while they faced Turkey. In low news only Andres Pereira was in action getting a free-kick assist for Granada in a 2-1 defeat to Osasuna. Right, uh, a a meaningless week until we until we speak to you next, uh, Southampton away on Wednesday night and then crystal palace in the final game of the season, um, on Sunday, both, uh, are utterly meaningless, um, but, uh, a brilliant chance for players to earn themselves a Europa League spot and for players like Demi Mitchell, Axel Twanzebe, uh, Scott McTominay, Matthew Willock, um, uh, Matt Ola Sunday to, to get into the Man United first team and get into the Jose Mourinho's plans. Um, yeah, I suppose that's it. It's a it's a good chance for youth players to shine.
0: Absolutely. I hope I hope as many youth players as possible get a chance to play against and the Palace. They they deserve it. There's, if we're not to really be taking the Premier League seriously, what's the point in playing playing the players that play regularly anyway? You might, we might as well play play some of our youth products, give them a chance, and just give them a taste of Premier League football because there's quite a few of them, like Scott McTominay. I mean, actually, Transer has already had a few chances, but hopefully. Um, We'll get more before the end of the season. These are the kind of players that we hope are going to be getting more chances in the coming seasons as well. Matt Will- Matty Willock as well has been on the bench a couple of times this season, so hopefully he gets a chance too. It, 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 this kind, of, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the situation of uh, at the end of David Moyes' season. We had Ryan Giggs and we played um, played Norwich, I believe, and James Wilson scored scored two goals, and we played pretty much an entire youth side in the last couple of games of the
1: season. I think, I think that was... Uh... No, Norwich, we beat 4-0 in Giggs' first name. Yeah. And then Hull was the last home game of the season. And it was the last game for for Vidic and and not Ferdinand, but definitely for Vidic. And he, he had his goodbye thing. And it was Ryan Giggs' last game for the club. And he was replaced yeah. by Tom Lawrence, I think. Um, yes, yes, Another yes, Welsh midfielder, which was brilliant. And I think, yeah, that was a, that was the day James Wilson scored two in 60 minutes to become the, the most prolific Premier League striker of all time at the at the, at the <laughs> moment. Um and then he had a, a terrible season the, the year after. Um yeah. I mean, he's recently had a knee operation, so hopefully he'll come back from that. Unlikely, but uh, yeah. I mean, that was a that was a nice a nice final games the season. Um, even though we had literally nothing to celebrate and perhaps more to to be doom and gloom about. Giggs' his last yeah. game for the club, the Manu Vidic's last game at home, and uh, I remember Giggs crying into the microphone at Old Trafford and. Um, we're not going to get that this season because no one's leaving. Apart from maybe Rooney, and we've got the Europa League final, so he's not going to do anything there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's hopefully a chance, particularly for Demi Mitchell. He's been really impressive this season for the under twenty three. He's one of the best players of the season. Um. I mean, he's he's a striker, come midfielder. He's been converted to left back, so mainly gone from the right wing to left back, and has coped remarkably well. Um. And it's turned into a really good attacking fullback who's He's learned defensively as well. And uh, I mean, for, for for United as an academy, it's not just a a job to to make players for the first team. It's also a job to 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 give these players a great founding for when they leave because not all five of those not not all five of Mitchell Willick, McTominay, Olesunday Day, and and I don't know Joel Pereira are going to make it at Man United. But we want them to be the best players they can be elsewhere. So if we can give them a, a chance in the Premier League, that's that's a fantastic opportunity to do so. Um,
0: and, and next season, looking ahead, we've also got Andres Pereira, hopefully coming back from his loan from Granada as well. So yeah. it's another, another person who, and, he, and by all accounts, I've not really watched much of him, i watched a couple of his games, but by all accounts, he's impressed at Granada despite their disappointing season and having to be subjected to playing under Tony Adams yeah
1: um, I mean it, to be to be honest it's been a great experience for him and he's, he's said as much he said um, a few weeks ago that he's he's learned how to defend because when he was at Man United he he never really had to defend and it, I mean under Mourinho you probably do more and that's why it's good I was just about it, to say that <laughs> yeah um, at Granada he was saying how they're defending for the whole game and maybe you get one chance in the entire game and he's got a responsibility to finish that or provide the assist for that um he's had some great free kick assists i th- i think i've watched him quite a few times i think he's played really well for a side that are utterly useless um a really really terrible side and and as well it's been a really good experience because weirdly he's been one of the senior players not as in an older player but because he speaks i think he speaks five languages portuguese spanish flemish maybe french and english um, and he's basically acting as a translator in the dressing room where no, there's no one common language so it's a good experience for him and hopefully he comes back and, and, and be a squad player and at maybe at number 8 um, where, where he hasn't played much in Granada but he's too well nine. and um, yeah it's just, I mean that's all there is So we'll have a, we'll have a special European preview show for you uh, before, before Stockholm before Ajax We'll have, a, we'll have a season review for you. We'll have a couple of interviews in the summer. Um, hopefully talking to the the founder of eighteen seventy eight, the new Man United fanzine on, on Man United's history, uh, during summer. Um I've got the first two editions of that. It's really good read. Um what else will we have for you? We'll we'll be doing a an episode on Man United's greatest ever eleven, or our greatest United elevens, as we were asked to do to celebrate hundred thousand listens by at distinct average. We're delaying that for the summer. Um. Yeah, so the penultimate episode of, well, third last episode of the actual season, I guess. Um, Series 2, episode 37, and that's all we've got time for on the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for listening, as, as always. Jack, where can we find you on Twitter?
0: At Tate T-A-I-T
1: and you can find me on Twitter at at Harry Robinson 64 and and for updates on the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod that's P-O-D at the end there Uh, thank you very much for listening as always have a great week Um, enjoy the, the pointless nature of these final two league games and we'll see you before Stockholm goodbye